0: Alright, so we're back for another episode, episode 11 of The Average Joe Movie Show, and I'm Matt Wallace, and I have no guest with me today, it's just going to be just me and you listeners, so hopefully I don't fucking bore you too much, Uh, but we got a little bit of news to cover, Uh, some movies that I saw, and some actual trailers that are actually really, really good. So, uh, we'll, we'll just get started right off, hope you guys enjoy it, so... We're going to start off with Star Wars. That was kind of the main news that came out in the past week. Is that principal photography? J-, J. J. Abrams tweeted that they finished principal photography for Episode Nine, and we're going to be expecting the final movie in I think November, November or December, uh, which is the usual for the uh, Canon episodes of Star Wars. Uh, I'm pretty excited. I really did love Episode Seven. I know it's kind of yeah, you know, the mimic of episode four, you know, I'm not big into star Wars as, as much as the, you know, some of my friends. So I can't really, you know, put too much into it, but I really did enjoy it. J.J. Abrams has been, you know, immaculate with his movie making. I've loved him ever since he made the third mission Impossible. you know, even his TV shows uh, I did enjoy. So it's going to be super excited for me to, to see what he does in this final, you know, in, in this final trilogy of, you know, Ren, uh, Ray, Kylo Ren, and uh, Finn. So I'm super excited and really curious on how they incorporate Princess Leia in the uh, final, you know, final film of hers. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty good. I, uh, you know, I know episode eight was kind of a kind of a trash movie to some people. I actually enjoyed it because it was a little bit different. But we're going to we're going to see how that goes in that sense. So, you know, but that's kind of the only news that we have of, you know, of importance right now. You know, there's other things that are very small, but uh right now we you know, we got a couple of trailers, a couple of movies that I saw and it's actually mostly movie uh musical related. I don't know if you guys are big musical fans. I like them. I'm not, you know, a huge fan of them, but the good ones I, I do enjoy. You know, I am, as you know, I'm not a big fan of Rent or you know the you know the the very big production ones. I will say one exception with Les, Les Misérables with you know Anne Hathaway, Hugh Jackman, the, that was pretty spectacular. I really did enjoy that, like genuinely. Uh, but musicals, I don't usually get into, and I I like. You know, I like when they incorporate music into films, but not like like as Walk the Line, even Bohemian Rhapsody, which I'll get into because I actually finally saw the movie. So, but actual musicals are, are not, you know, not totally my thing. So, but I do understand that they're really hard to make. They're really, really technical. And it's, you know, definitely an art to get it done. So, but there is a musical horror movie that I saw it's called Anna and the Apocalypse and it's it's about these high school kids who are stuck in a, a you know it's pretty simple stuck in a zombie apocalypse try to get to the shelter to get to the loved ones but they got to figure out that they kind of only rely on themselves they can't really lie you know on you know they try to rely on other people but they keep on getting bit and they have to make these hard decisions and then that's all in this movie as well uh, But the big twist is that they made it a very gleeful, entertaining-type musical out of it. So, in between all these fights and slashing, you got these musical numbers in between. And I can see how some of them, at some movies that, that would fail at, but this movie was actually quite, quite entertaining. So, it was directed by John McPhail. He's not really that known as an act uh, as a director, but... He has made some things uh can't really think of him at this time, so oh, <coughs> excuse me, so with John Mcphail at the helm, he incorporated this this kind of glee zombie apocalypse uh type movie and, that I really enjoyed i i don't I was very entertained throughout the whole movie. There were characters that I really cared about there was such brutal violence zombie violence that i was just like okay the you know getting smashed in the head with bowling ball pins and uh heads getting ripped off from a seesaw it was there's some pretty spectacular effects in it some pretty bad cgi but nothing too crazy to the point where the movie is ruined but this this movie really kind of stands on its own in, in that, you know, you can't really compare it to the other horror musicals out there as well. So, like, you know, you have the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is in a, in a genre of itself. You know, the cult, you know, has a huge following. Even uh, Repo, the opera, uh, that that's one I really didn't really enjoy. But, you know, those, this one will have the same kind of effect. It will have this certain following uh, about it. And if you actually really like, you know, a mixture of violence and and music, you know, this is is definitely the movie for you. It was for me. I was definitely satisfied with it. I did have a chance to try to see it when it came out for the independent film festivals. It was called Popcorn Fright Fest down in Miami that they were officially showing the movie back in November. I'm sorry, not November, about uh, August, I want to say. So that is, you know... Uh, and I wish I would have seen it back then because I was instantly, when I saw the preview, I wanted to see it. And it was just very, very well made. It doesn't look cheap. It does have some minor character problems. Like there's a, a little bit of exposition about, you know, the main character and uh, an ex-boyfriend that's just whatever. Uh, but the, like I said, the music was great. the The violence was great. And if you, if like I said, if you like that kind of thing, definitely want to check this out. And uh, from there, I'll move on to uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't know. I know I've been talking about it for a very, very long time to say I'll see it. I'll end up seeing it. It looks safe. It looks this. You know, I had my own quirks about it. But you know, I ended up buying the steelbook from Best Buy. You know, and after viewing it, I... Pretty much all the expectations were met in that regard. It was super safe. Rami Malek was was superb as Freddie Mercury, but you know there's certain things that just I would want to see from a Freddie Mercury biopic or a Queen biopic. It just mostly focused on the the music, which is fine. Uh, but you know they 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 have an eccentric guy that is one of a kind, and they really could have not exploit you know his endeavors, but just sort of portray the real life of Freddie Mercury, rather than playing the safe route of, you know, not really showing too much, you know, but that's why, you know, I was mostly preferring a Sasha Baron Cohen biopic more than that, but it's still a genuinely good movie, it's felt good, I loved hearing all the music, the live performances were great, like I said, Rami Malek looked awesome, and it, you know, it's overall good movie. It just wasn't what I expected. I just kind of had to let those expectations kind of fall a little bit once the movie came out and obviously was with, with its Oscar buzz, it's a little different. So, with that in mind, it's it, it was a genuinely you know, I give it I give it a you know, if I gave it a rating system like a B or an A or not an A, I'd probably give it a B or B minus something like that. But it's you know, and to actually to a little tease tease for you with uh how rami malek feels as director who was uh accused of a lot of pedophilish acts back in uh his early days he didn't even when the sag awards came out uh and rami malek won his performance he did not mentioned the director at all he he mentioned everybody else the producers the the cast all the other supporters but he did not he did not like Brian Singer it seems like he was just catching a jab at him which is you know well deserved for you know a pedophile who still works on you know these big movies but you know that's hollywood sometimes you know they second chances are everywhere but uh yeah that's a little little trivia for you right there about the uh Brian Singer. I think we learned that in episode two where Zach was really into those uh uh pedophile ish uh people. I don't know why. Must be uh something in the something in the air for him. I'm not sure. But I just threw him under the bus. I hope he doesn't really listen to this uh uh episode. I mean it is really short, but well, maybe I'll skim over it. So but uh another movie that I got is actually a Blood Island collection. There is these uh, collection of 60s and 70s exploitation movies and it was I uh, Eddie Romero, he's a very uh, like I said exploitation director where he's just like sex violence gore that's all we need and he knew how to he knew how to you know he knew how to tend to the the drive-in type people at you know the B-rated horror movies because when you had these double features uh, at drive-ins, they usually showed the the best movie. Like the, let's just say they'll show Psycho or you know, you know, any Hitchcock movie or you know, even a Universal monster. You know, but afterwards they'll show the double feature, which is the B-rated movie, and that's where these movies kind of shine. All these all made kind of famous by H. D. Wells and his. Uh, bucket of Blood series and all of his bright red blood violence sex uh, type movies. These really tended to young audiences and they stayed around and they really created a following. So this American director, this American Filipino director, he went over to the Philippines and had this guerrilla warfare type atmosphere. It was super hot, humid. It was during martial law. I don't know exactly where they were filming, but they 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 had a curfew. They had they had a set of rules that they had to follow, or else they were, you know, some very major consequences from that. So it's really, really, <laughs> excuse me, uh, really, really crazy stuff that went on in the sixties. Uh, you know, and that's you know when you go overseas, that's also during the time of Vietnam War. So there's a lot more other things that was going on, but. There's no time for a history lesson, but it's, uh, it was very, very crazy. I was watching a bunch of special features about it, and it was just pretty awesome. It's, uh, but the Blood Island Trilogy is mostly about this doctor that performs experiments and makes these crazy, almost zombie-like creatures. And these creatures come, and, you know, that for this one, the one that I did see was the uh, creature of Blood Island. And this doctor holds the tribe captive and creates his experiments on him, and creates like this superhuman to kind of take over the world, kind of thing. But there's there's the protagonist trying to trying to foil his plan, and you know the, the plot super simple and outrageous. But the like overall for the 1960s. Like you didn't have CGI, you didn't have all these great practical animatronics or anything. Like you just kind of had to create these things from just makeup and 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 silicone, you know, pretty much and pla- It's it's just insane. Uh, the guy got he got shot with an arrow and they showed it. It almost looked it looked real. The guy falls into like a uh, a, a pit full of spikes. It looks super cool. There's a lot of there was a lot of squib. Uh, action there, you know, blood splattering out, bright red again. Lots of sex, lots of beautiful women, and it it was just had everything you could really ask for in that B-rated movie. And these these were the movies that were uh, kind of started it all, you know, along with HG Lewis and all them. And that's just really really fun to uh, you know to have it to own. There's a uh, it's all distributed by Severn Films, they make these very quirky... They they get the rights of the very quirky cult, cult classics, like the ones that... You know, you got a lot from Shout Factory, you got a lot from Arrow, but they're like... You know, there are a lot of mainstream horrors in that as well, but these ones are almost bottom of the barrel, but they're still gems to horror fans. So, like I said... <clears throat> like I said, this is the... Blood Island collection. There's only 3500 of them that were made. I thought they were sold out for a while, but Amazon got them right back. You can go to Amazon right now and get it before they sell out. It's really a collection to have if you're a true horror fan. If you're a fan of Troma, buy this. Like don't even don't even think about it. So, uh well, honestly, I that's it. There's no there's nothing else for me to really describe out here. You know, kind of cut short by the the last minute uh, host change. We were going to talk about a lot more uh, in the in the film world. You know, have a lot of feedback, but I, I think 15 minutes is good enough to listen to the sound of my voice. So uh, I'm going to cut it right there, you guys. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We're coming. Tune in next week for episode 12. We're going to be talking about a lot of horror a lot of comedy and horror and where should it be involved? Where's the line uh, is, should there be a line in horror comedies? And we're going to discuss a very great detail about, uh, how we like our, our comedy and horror. So definitely join us next week. We'll have everybody back. We'll have myself, Zach, Drew, and special guests, of course. So, and, that's it. We're just look forward to a YouTube channel. Look forward to uh, a new Twitter account that we have now. And obviously like us on Facebook. Thank you so much for guys listening. And we'll talk to you next week. See you later.